Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Brendan Urich, who's the CEO at Electric Royalties, TSXV listed uh, royalty company. Um, one of the newer entrants on the block, been around for just under a year, focused on battery metals and also imminently about to close their first cash flowing royalty. So we talked to him about how he's going to finance that, what it can mean for the company, and of course, the other 12 royalties that they have at hand. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, the company, the royalties, um, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from uh, experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities uh, and topics like royalties. So uh, do check it out. Very, very insightful. We do training courses to help you with your own diligence process. We do summaries of all the interviews that we do just to save you some time because we know you're busy. And if you want to join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly and safe environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse, go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Brendan, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing today, Matt? All good. All good in the hood. Where in the world are you? Uh, I am in uh, beautiful Vancouver. Uh, it's pretty sunny out today. It's actually a nice day. So uh, life is good right now. Should make it a quick one then. <laughs> Just can get out of there. <laughs> no, no, I'm excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me on. Cool, cool. Good, man. Well, like, hey, we, we've not spoken or uh, met before and we've not heard the story before. So I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued. But I always ask people to start with a one minute overview of the business. People who have, like me haven't heard it. And then I'll pick up with some questions. Okay. Yeah, sure. So we are a, a new mining royalty company. Um, we are the only royalty company out there right now focused exclusively on the entire suite of battery metals. Um, so that includes zinc, uh, tin, lithium, cobalt, uh, nickel, copper, vanadium, uh, manganese, uh, and graphite. Uh, we've got uh, 12 royalties already acquired uh, to date um, since going public in last July. Uh, and we actually just announced our first cash flowing royalty acquisition um, about a week ago. So uh, we're excited about that. Um, you know, we're just kind of getting going. We've got a really good management team put together, uh, you know, past experience building our royalty companies, uh, but really just kind of getting started and, um, you know, excited to, to show people what we're going to do here moving forward. Okay. So you're what, about a year old? Yeah, about a year old. Yeah. Right. We went uh, public in good the middle timing. of uh, COVID. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I know that was a fun experience, but uh, you know, we managed to oversubscribe our, our initial financing and uh, uh, closed out all the royalties we had uh, signed up prior to going public, you know, within about a month. So it was uh, it was a, a fury, you know, of timing, but, um, uh, you know, we're excited that we got it done and, uh, you know, here we are now moving forward. Fantastic. Okay. So how much did you raise when you listed? Uh, we raised uh, 5.2 million. And raised anything since? Uh, we haven't uh, raised any capital since. Um, uh, no, not yet. Not yet today, but we will be doing something here in the near future. Okay, fine, fantastic. Okay, well, um, you said you've got a track record uh, in the royalty space. So, um, who on the team has transacted royalties before? Yeah, sure. So, um, I guess to start with myself, uh, my entire history and background, um, you know, my career has been focused on alternative financing, project financing, uh, royalty, obviously being a, a form of alternative financing for uh, for the mining sector. Um, yeah, I started my career with Endeavor Financial in London. Um, you know, I've worked with a lot of 
groups in your Vancouver, including the uh, King and Bay West Management Group, the Hunter Dickinson Group. Um, you know, and I've really been out of my own advising uh, companies, junior mining companies, just like I'd be speaking to now. Um, you know, helping them through this process, helping them structure those uh, deals. And uh, we've also got our chairman, uh, who's the uh, also the co-founder and chairman of RE Royalties. Uh, they are a renewable energy royalty company. Um, they were really the first group to do it, to be honest. So, you know, it was a good fit in terms of what we're doing, being the first group, uh, you know, going after all of these different battery metals. Uh, they've managed to put together about, um, I'm going to get the number wrong, but I think it's close to 90 royalties uh, over the past three years. So that's been very successful. Um, we've also got guys like Bob Schaefer on our uh, board. You know, he was one of the founding directors of International Royalty Corp. Um, sold on to Royal Gold for, I think it was 700 million. Um, you know, so very successful uh, deal here, at least locally, everybody knows about it. Um, and, you know, we've also got a really good wealth of advisors. Uh, one of the things that we felt, you know, was important, uh, especially when you're navigating, a, you know, so many different commodities and, and a pretty tricky space was to go out and get a bunch of advisors, you know, who had experience in this area that we can call upon. So we've got you know, for example, uh, Greg Bowes as a, a CEO of Northern Graphite, um, you know, we have him there as a graphite advisor. You know, I wouldn't want to be in, in his shoes the past 10 years. It hasn't, uh, you know, been fun. That's starting to finally turn around for them. But, uh, you know, he has 10 years of experience out there. Uh, you know, it can help us kind of navigate some of those pitfalls. And so, you know, we also have Richard Williams, uh, CEO of Cornish Metals. Um, you know, he, he's helping us advise us on 10. You know, we've got guys like uh, Darcy Maroud, uh, former senior VB exploration in Amana, um, you know, a good friend too, but uh, very smart guy when it comes to that. Um, you know, so we've, we've really built out a, a team of advisors. We have Rod Cooper, uh, former senior VP, uh, technical services at Kinross. Um, you know, we've got uh, Marceau Schlumberger and his father, Nick Schlumberger. You know, a lot of uh, obviously uh, oil experience from the family side of things, but, you know, private equity experience, family office experience. Um, you know, and really kind of tracking down the technologies that are coming out, what's next, you know, which is always good to kind of keep an eye on, um, you know, and so we've really got a, a wealth of, of, you know, knowledge and people that we can call upon. Right. So this, what I'm hearing is you've got a lot of advisors on terms of the, uh, to be able to assess projects technically, right? One guy that's done royalties before, um, and that that's, I mean, that's, that's the bit, that's the, the rub here is, how involved is he with your company? Is he helping you construct these royalty uh, agreements? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He helps definitely helps structure these uh, agreements. I mean, we have a pretty good legal team as well, but we like to do as much in-house as we can to keep expenses lower. Um, no, he, he does definitely helps me, uh, you know, draft a lot of those agreements as well. I mean, he's seen, uh, you know, he's a little bit older than I am, uh, which is good to have, uh, you know, a little bit more experience over time. You see a lot of different agreements. Um, but we've also got... Uh, a really good team uh, at McCarthy Tetra, and you know they've been responsible for a lot of the real big streaming transactions you've seen in the space. I believe they did, you know, help Glencore on some of their stuff in terms of base core, and uh, you know they were behind the Namaska Lithium deal and, and stuff like that. So um, you know we really got a good team built to do much larger deals. Okay, but you're not there yet. So let, let's talk about your portfolio. Okay, you've got one uh, cash flowing royalty. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. So that's um, it's on the Middle Tennessee Zinc Mine, uh, owned and operated by uh, Trafigura. And, you know, they, they've just taken over. Uh, basically, those assets were restructuring of, of Nearstar, uh, happened at the end of 2019. Um, but, you know, first class operator. Uh, you know, if you look at what they've done with the Matza Mine in Spain, 
you know, as soon as they acquired it, they, they basically went on a, a campaign investment, you know, uh, plan to double production. Um, you know, and so where, where traffic Europe goes with this in terms of capital spending and growing the asset, um, you know, remains to be seen, but it's already producing, you know, it's produced intermittently over 50 years. Um, now you think, well, that's a pretty long time, you know, already produced over 2.7 billion pounds of zinc to date. Uh, and if you go through that operating history, you see, you know, pretty consistent recoveries. Uh, you know, the, the deposit has been pretty consistent and it produces a really clean concentrate. Um, so right now, you know, the last since production restarted in 2017, middle of 2017, uh, it's already paid out world to revenues of close to 5 million. Um, and, you know, we really see some upside in a couple of different areas. You know, we see traffic year coming in, uh, nameplate capacity is 50,000 tons of zinc a year. Uh, they were kind of only hitting about 40,000 tons, a little bit undercapitalized, I think, uh, with the previous operator. So that's about, you know, 20% upside, um, you know, and, and we really see uh, zinc pricing upside as well. Um, you know, copper gets a lot of attention these days, uh, but zinc, I think, is going to be an important, um, you know, player in the energy storage space, you know, the renewable energy space, whether it be, you know, from galvanizing, you know, steel, the, the wind blades for, for wind turbines, um, you know, and also, but infrastructure too, right? You know, if you look at, you know, bridges, you know, there's a lot of zinc that you need to, to uh, you know, galvanize steel, keep it from corrosion. Um, and so, you know, Glencore actually came out a couple of weeks ago uh, and they have a great little chart that's in our presentation. Um, and it basically shows that on a relative basis, zinc demand is actually going to outstrip copper demand uh, in terms of growth profile over the next kind of 20, 30 years. Um, so it doesn't get as much attention, maybe, but, uh, you know, we are bullish on zinc and, and where things could go there. Well, it's, it's had a tricky ride the last three years um, so, and came back at the end of last year. But uh, let's assume they can sell all of it. Let's assume that it, 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 the, the throughput is 50,000 tons, right? What's, what's the contribution to your, your bottom line? Because given that it's your only cash flowing uh, royalty, I just want to understand what the contribution is. Yeah. So at uh, today's in price. Uh, you know, assuming that they can, um, you know, wrap this up effectively and, and get over some of the COVID delays from last year, we'd be looking at about two and a half million dollars a year in royalty revenue. Um, you know, based off our calculations, they've got about 15 years of resources outlined. So, you know, estimate kind of a 15 year mine life to date. Um, but really, we see a lot of expansion potential beyond that. Um, you know, it's kind of thing you know, it has been producing intermittently over 50 years. They never drilled it out. You know, to this point in time, you know, at that point in time, it's just a capital spending decision. Um, but these types of deposits tend to be very, very large. Uh, and so, you know, we think this is going to keep on going. And you got to remember, this is not just a single mine. This is a mine complex, right? There's, you know, three underground mines. There's a exploration project on site, um, you know, and it's really vertically integrated with a smelter nearby, the Clarksville smelter. Um, that is the only primary zinc producer in the U.S. And you know, because of the way the business is, right, with trading groups and especially with a trading group being the owner, the smelting operations and the trading operations far outweigh and dwarf what they're making in mining profits. Um, and with the really clean concentrate at the Middle Tennessee zinc mine, um, it's really kind of key to that smelting operation. Uh, and so, you know, there's always going to be an impetus to keep this thing going, you know, even if it was losing money on the mining side. Not that it is, yeah, you know, but there's a, it's kind of nice to have that little bit of security in there. Right, and and you're telling me it's the cash flow therefore is sustainable as far as you're concerned at two and a half million to you each year going forward. Yeah, that, that's the hope. I mean, right now, if you look at it, and, and, and last year was a tough year, where, you know, for everybody with COVID delays, 
you know, the all prices of commodities dropped there at the beginning of last year, um, you know, which has obviously changed since then. Copper's had a pretty good run. Zinc's had an okay run. I think it's got some ways to go. Um, but right now they're paying out about 100,000, 110,000 a month for January, February. Um, but yeah, we're hoping as they ramp up production and, and hit that nameplate capacity that we'll get to that two and a half million number, you know, hopefully by the end of the year. So was that the total number of cash that you had to date? You just So, uh, yeah, so this year today, uh, in January, it paid $110,000. Uh, and in February, it paid pretty much $110,000. So it's on track right now for about 1.2 million this year. Um, but they are still, you know, kind of getting over a little bit of the COVID stuff from last year, ramping up production. And so we're hoping that that, you know, will we'll increase here by the end of the year to our annualized number. Okay, good. Uh, how much did you pay for that? So the acquisition price is 13 million cash and uh, 14.5 million shares of electric royalties. Um, you know, we've had, uh, you know, a little bit of, of, you know, feedback that people say that's expensive and they look at, you know, the maybe the payback period. Um, you know, being a little bit longer than you'd see in some other investments. But you got to remember, you know, this costs us nothing to hold after this, right? We have no cost going out the door. You know, all the expiration upside, you know, after that payback happens, it's just cash flow coming in, you know, and that cash flow could be coming in for another 10, 15 years beyond that. Um, and, and again, it costs us nothing to hold that. So, you know, people have to realize that you might have a longer payback, but, um, you know, you've got to look at this as much, a much longer term play. Um, you know, if, if, if someone comes to you and say, hey, I could give you $10 million today, uh, you're going to pay me back a million dollars every year for the next, you know, 35 years, you know, people might think that, you know, that's kind of how you have to think about it, right? Um, you know, so it's, it's we're excited about it. You know, it's a, uh, you know, relatively, you know, good jurisdiction, good operator, you know, still has a good mind life, good operating history. Um, you know, putting something into production is always a tricky business, right? You know, you got to think about how, how much de-risk this is uh, relative to, you know, some earlier stage projects that you might be looking at. So um, just help me because I'm a bit confused. You told me you raised 5.2 million at IPO, haven't raised any more cash. So you've got some kind of facility in place to pay for that, yeah? Uh, we don't as of this moment. Right. Um, we are currently uh, kind of gauging our financing options. Uh, we have three months runway. So we signed this deal just basically last week. We've got three months to close it. Um, we were pretty careful about making sure that we left ourselves open uh, in terms of how we can finance this, how we can pay this. So, you know, I, I don't know how many people actually caught it, but we have in there that we can bring in a co-investor, for example. Um, you know, so, so that could really take away, you know, a good chunk of the, uh, the cash portion of the acquisition cost. Um, you know, and typically I wouldn't want to do a co-investment, you know, at this stage, like we really like the royalty, but, you know, part of our, you know, theme has always been diversification, you know, and so uh, I can understand this is a lot of eggs to throw in one basket, you know, at this point in time, given our relative size. So, you know, that's something we're considering um, and looking at, you know, debt financing is not necessarily off the table. You know, convertible debt has been used pretty effectively in our space recently. Uh, you know, if you look at Nova royalties, for example, uh, that's a good example of how that's worked out well. Um, you know, then we're having some discussions with bankers and such right now. Uh, so we're hoping to formalize a financing plan, you know, in the next few weeks uh, to, to basically answer your question about how are we going to finance this. Right. Okay. And so how have you then collected revenue in January and February? So that, so that, when I said that, that was the royalty revenue that the current operator or current uh, royalty owner has received. Got it. 
Okay, so at the point yeah, you so transact, yeah, yeah, give me an idea. So I just want I want the real number. So at the point you do the transaction, you become the royalty owner. You will be, you think, picking up something like that per month going forward. So the rest of this year, let's say you transact in July, you got six months at a, at that right. Okay, got it. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Um. So just, just okay. So that's so that's really interesting. So it's it's not cash flowing yet. What what are the what are the barriers to you being able to get that across line? Getting getting finance at an appropriate rate, or being able to raise capital by diluting current uh, shareholders. I mean, what are the options that you're thinking about? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think there's quite a bit of money out there right now. To be honest with you, um, so you know, I see some of the other groups, some of the other deals out there. You know, we've we've had quite a bit of interest already. I'm not you know extremely uh, concerned about that. I mean, the market can change in a minute, so you don't want to necessarily wait forever. Um, but you know, we're just kind of looking at those options. We want to do what's best for shareholders. Uh, you know, myself and my family are are combined the single largest shareholder in the family, so or in the in the company. So, um, you know, we just want to be make sure that we pick the right solution for it. Um, but we definitely plan to close this transaction. You know, I think. 95% of mining companies never achieve cash flow, and this gets us there. Um, and if you look at the multiples of where uh, you know base metal royalty groups are trading, and we don't really have any better comps because we're the you know the only battery metals focus group, but you know those have gone up considerably over the last six months. Um, you know to the point where you're almost seeing a parity actually with gold royalty companies, which is interesting. Um, you know, so if you look at it from that kind of metric, and if we can hit you know that two and a half million. Uh, annualized cash flow number, you know, the transaction could be valued at, you know, 40, $45 million, you know, in our company today. Um, you know, and I, I actually see those multiples continuing to increase, you know, as we move forward here. Um, and as more money and, uh, you know, and, and investor awareness kind of gets out there in terms of the, the real issue with all these metals, you know, um, I think it's probably the biggest risk to the EV revolution, uh, you know, is going to be supply. Um, and that's what we looked at, right? When we got this going, we looked at the supply side, really picked out which projects we thought, you know, could actually fill that gap. And it doesn't really matter. Even if all of them come online, you're not going to fill that gap, you know? And so uh, it's pretty obvious for us, you know, it takes 15 years from, uh, you know, drill hole to you might be able to bring it into production. Um, there's no way to overcome that gap. Uh, so we see, you know, higher pricing across all these metals kind of coming here in the near future. But it's also attracting a lot of people, right? So there's a lot of new royalty companies. There's some even younger than you, right? You've been going a year and we've, we've interviewed a, uh, two or three, three, uh, who are younger than you. Um, but you're all after the same thing. You're, the people are excited about royalty companies again. A lot of small royalty companies are, are, are here. So there's this kind of the, the, the royalty bandwagon is off and running. Um, but, you're all saying the same thing. So it's really hard for us poor investors to try and work out who's hurt the zoo. You know, so cash flowing is obviously a buzzword and a phrase. And if you can get that going, it's a good start. What about the, your other 12 royalties? What sort of shape are they in? Yeah. So we've actually got some really exciting uh, development royalties. And um, yeah, maybe I'll just kind of answer your first question. I mean, yeah, there has been a lot of new entrants. And I think everybody, you know, I don't know how I could ever you know, go back to repping a, you know, single asset, you know, mining company after being a royalty company. It's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, got so many advantages. So I don't blame everybody. I, I would say that the difference from us is really focus, uh, you know, commodities focus. Um, you know, all the big established players are primarily gold and silver, precious metals. Um, most of the new entrants have made that their focus as well. 
And, you know, that's a lot of competition, <laughs> you know, across a couple of commodities. So that impacts pricing, your ability to build a portfolio and to grow that portfolio. Um, you know, and like, it's kind of like an internal rule for myself, but I think the only real risk of a royalty company is that you don't, you don't hit, uh, you know, capacity or a, a certain size. If you can't build a royalty portfolio to the point where you're a royalty company, um, and that's kind of where I figured it'd be very tough to do in the precious metal space. Uh, you know, whereas for us, I mean, some of these commodities, you know, we're the only group <laughs> out there that these groups can come to. So, yeah, we've been getting a lot of inbound deal flow. And if you look at, you know, graphite royalties or tin royalties, uh, manganese royalties, you know, there's a lot of these commodities that um, there's only one group kind of out there right now. So uh, that means pricing is, is generally much better, um, you know, and our ability to access deal flow is going to be much better. Um, so that's kind of just that. So in terms of our portfolio, uh, we've got a flagship uh, lithium royalty, the Oche Lithium Royalty in Quebec, um, owned and operated by Sayona Mining. Now, they actually just got a strategic investment from Piedmont Lithium uh, for, I think it was $12.5 million. Uh, they also have a project-level investment. Um, they're in the middle of acquiring the Canada Lithium Mine right next door. Uh, that would expedite production uh, basically on our royalty kind of 12 to 18 months out. Um, so we're excited about that. Uh, it's one of those situations where the Canada Lithium Mine really needs to blend the ore from another project. And this project happens to be, you know, right next door, feasibility stage, kind of ready to go. So um, so that's kind of our flagship lithium royalty. We also have some well, area royalties. I'm really trying to understand how you set these things out. Okay, so let's take that one because it's the first one you mentioned, right? So why not? Um, you've got a royalty over what 100% of that land package. Yeah, so that royalty covers... Uh, this was an existing royalty that we acquired. So all of our new royalties, they cover the entire land package. Right. And this covers about 65, 70% of the deposit. Right. Um, but we also have uh, much larger royalties on the expiration claims around it. Right. Um, you know, and so. But they're further around. They're further around, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Further around. So you'd have the deposit, right? In the, you know, kind of main heart of it. I'm trying to you know, put on my hands. And, and then you have the expiration package around it. And a lot of these, uh, projects, whether it be, you know, in Ontario or in Quebec there, you know, they, they tend to be kind of regional. There is a lot of, you know, regional potential, um, you know, so we have much larger royalties on the expiration package. Uh, and ultimately my kind of thinking on how lithium goes here is that you're going to have these central lithium processing hubs, you know, whether it be at the Canada lithium mine, whether they have one in, uh, you know, in Ontario that comes up where you have a lot of different projects end up, you know, kind of combining on the same team as it were, uh, the processing facility seems to be the big risk. And so, you know, why everybody go and try and build one to see if it works, you know, why don't you pool one and, uh, and have all these resources kind of come together. So, you know, we've got some other royalties in and around there, in and around the uh, Canada Lithium Mine. Uh, Great Thunder uh, Gold is actually drilling uh, one of them right now, or planning to, they just released uh, updated the NI43-101. Um, and we just picked up actually last February, uh, our first one in the Ontario camp. So that's the uh, Seymour Lake uh, royalty. Um, Sandstorm owns the other half of it. Uh, and it's, you know, going to be one of those things where it's probably going to be part of a number of other projects that ultimately, you know, form a, a new hub uh, in Ontario. Cool. I'm trying to maybe ask a question in a different way. I'm trying to work out which projects or royalties are significantly advanced. Because as you say, some of these things will take 15 years to get into production, 15 years to do the cash yeah. flow for you, right? So, and you've, 
we talked about the cash flowing one. So of the 12, can you kind of break it yeah. down for me and say which ones are most significantly advanced, which ones have, you know, 43101 or uh, I assume it's all North American, uh, you know, uh, resource, num- resource number, um, which ones are drilling, which, you know, et cetera. That would be a really good sense of how close yeah, you are. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. I'll just go through it real quick, this kind of list version. So uh, the OJ project, well, operated by Sayona Mining, that's feasibility stage, ready to go. Um, the Seymour Lake project, it's got a resource on it. It's Jork, so it's Australian, um, but it looks you know, pretty identical to where OJ was just a few years ago. Um, we have our manganese royalty on Battery Hill. Uh, they're putting a PEA out you know, fairly shortly here uh, over the next couple of months, um, but the metallurgy is very advanced on this. Uh, there's a pretty good comp next door, so we can kind of you know, extrapolate what it's going to be. It's going to be our biggest royalty in terms of potential cash flow a year. You know, I mean, we're looking at it being kind of six million a year for you know 35, 40 years. So, um, you know, we're excited about that. It's the only manganese district in North America. You know, developing a, a project for manganese to the EV space. Uh, we also have a graphite royalty. This is feasibility stage, ready to go. I mean, all permits, everything. Um, they need an offtake agreement, and they're off to the races. You know, construction time I think is 18 months. Uh, you know, so within a couple of years, that could be in production. Um, and then we've got a vanadium royalty on vanadium one iron ore corps, uh, Monsocier project, uh, huge project, 38 years, mine life, uh, fantastic economics could be the best, you know, iron ore development project uh, in North America. Um, and that project alone, we're you know, expecting cash flow to be about a million and a half a year. Uh, our royalty there only covers vanadium. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's still a million and a half bucks a year for, you know, 38 plus years. They're actually in the middle of putting out an updated resource uh, in the near term as well. So, you know, a lot of work going on those projects. Um, those would probably be our kind of core ones if I had to, to summarize it up. So in, in the next two years, apart from um, the cash flowing asset you're talking about with the zinc, there's no no cash flow from those so you're building up a develop there's a development portfolio there it seems is that is that be fair to say yeah i mean there's a there's a chance that the oche royalty uh oche lithium royalty and the, the graphite uh, bissa creek royalty do pay within two years um but yes yes that, that is correct okay fine not to say that we're gonna we're gonna be standing still in the meantime but yes. no of course, of course not of course not so but again i just want to get people to build a picture of the, the type of business model that you're going to employ you know and how you blend the different phases you know exploration development production companies uh into that so you've got 5.2 at the moment you're gonna look at financing somehow for the acquisition of the cash flowing uh zinc business at royalty rather, you're going to need more money or a facility or two in place as well. So how do you go about addressing that? Yeah, and I would say, um, you know, first off, if you look at our acquisitions today, we actually are paying a lot of our acquisition costs and shares. So our Seymour uh, Lake acquisition very cost us no cash. So, uh, you know, there, there's always opportunities like that out there. But um, no, I mean, look, we are looking at creating new royalties uh, right now. We are really focused on cash flowing royalties. Um, you know, we were trying to build up a, a number of these, you know, three or four of them to really have a base that we can go out acquire new royalties without dilution moving forward. Um, and so, you know, those those kind of take time and, and we're planning on financing those a little bit on a transaction basis at the moment. Uh, you know, it's it's just kind of easy in this market, I guess, or, you know, not, it's kind of the way to go. Um, 
but that's that's what we're looking at doing. You know, we would like to keep dilution to a minimum, uh, and so you know, hopefully we can plan these out. So it's you know, you you get one done, you close it, you get a bit of a re-rating, you know, and you build it out that way. Um, we don't want to try and take on too much debt. You know, too early on, I think we have no debt right now, uh, and I love it. You know, I'm not stressed out. It, it costs nothing to hold these things. So, uh, you know, money is being spent on these all the time by our partners. I think our partners raised about 20 million last year uh, to basically move in and develop these projects along. That cost us nothing. <laughs> you know, it didn't dilute us at all and just really increased the value. So, um, you know, we see this, uh, you know, probably more, more equity, uh, you know, but like I said, we are looking at convertible debt. Um, we've had offers from a lot of groups on co-investment. Um, you know, so we'll kind of see, I, I can't say too much, obviously, because we're kind of working on that right now, but, um, I, I hope people are, you know, pleased when they see what, what we put together on that front. Why don't companies go and create their own royalties on their own assets? Wouldn't that be easy for them to do? Yeah, they do that. Uh, <laughs> they have done that. <clears throat> You've seen a few of those actually. So, um, Gold Royalty Corp, uh, they, they did that, uh, just not so long ago. Um, Empress uh, did that as well, actually, with some of their uh, exploration portfolio. So great, bear. I, it yeah. seems like cheating to me a little bit, but um, I, I can't say I haven't approached other groups about you know similar type transactions. Um, that's not something that we're necessarily planning on doing. I think if you look at uh, the space and the new entrants, I would say most of these groups out there are just consolidating existing royalties. Um, you know, so there's no new royalties really entering creation, as it were. Um, you know, they're all fighting over the same ones and, uh, it, it's, it's really tough. You know, pricing is really expensive, um, because you're not taking advantage of a, a moment in time where a group might need money or, you know, there's a circumstance to it that would see you get a better deal. Right. Um, whereas we are really looking about 50% of our time is spent on creating new royalties. And so, you know, that's where we look at, you know, we pick out an operation that we want to be part of. And we go in and we say, all right, like, you know, we pick our time. Okay. They might need a bit of working capital. We go in, say, we'll fill that need. A royalty can fit around any kind of financing. You know, you can have it around debt you can have it around equity. It's not going to, you know, uh, prevent you from using those avenues. So we're a real, you know, kind of uh, ad hoc solution or, you know, as they need it. Um, and so that's kind of where we're kind of focused right now. Uh, I will say we get some great incoming royalties that are existing royalties that groups want to sell. So, um, you know, I would say all my focus is really on new royalties, but we get so many inbound coming on existing royalties that, you know, it's a, it's an easy business decision to say, yeah, well, I would love this. Let's go ahead, push ahead. But you don't want to overpay. And there's a lot of competition, a lot of juniors, like royalty companies, all just trying to get a position, build a size, get noticed. So you will pay a lot of money and that, that, that hurts you down the line, doesn't it? Well, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think if you look at our, acquisition cost today and our, our latest one, it's a cash flowing existing royalty. It's got everything there. So you're going to pay up a little bit, you know, you're going to pay for quality, but you know, our acquisition costs on our, our previous portfolio and the rest of our royalties combined is about 0 0.05 times MPV, um, which is about 120th of what they're paying, you know, in the precious metal sector. So, uh, so we, we do like to do some cheap royalties, but you know, at the same time, there's certain assets out there. You just can't recreate, you know, um, and uh, it's not only some of the new entrants, there's private equity groups too, uh, that pick away at these things and have, you know, very deep pockets. Um, you know, so you do have to kind of pay up for good quality, uh, as it were, but, you know, over the long term, I think this, this transaction is going to look, you know, I mean, it's, 
I think if you look back at this two decades later, yeah, and if we're still making two and a half million bucks a year, uh, it's it's going to look like a good deal. It, it will, but you need to build on that. You need to show your, you know, sustained cash contribution, and it's got to build over that time too, because that's the only way your shares are going to, you know, see see the benefit of that. So, me as an investor, I'm looking for you to demonstrate to me that you've got near-term uh, cash flows, that you've got the blend of companies right, that you're not overpaying all of the time um, because that's what small royalty companies need to do initially or feel they need to do, right? So how, yeah, how, how, do, you, how do you stand out from the rest? How do, how do you do that? Yeah, so, well, and I, don't, I wouldn't say this necessarily makes us stand out, although you don't really see uh, too many other groups focused a little bit earlier down the timeline uh, as we are. Um, and that's really how you focus it out. So if you're looking at uh, an expiration stage property, they've got a nice resource uh, and you're going in and you, but you can say, okay, like, you know, for manganese, it's really simple, right? It's like, there's one district in North America, you know, looking to be the supplier of manganese for the battery space. So uh, it's different for these commodities. And that's the funny thing, you know, we're a little bit of first mover uh, because we've already looked at the manganese supply pipeline. You know, we've looked at the graphite pipeline. Uh, you know, we've looked at the tin supply pipeline. And if you look at it, it's not going to be the same as it was, or it is for gold, for example. You know, there's only certain land packages, only certain projects, only certain resources, you know, that are five, 10 years, 15 years down the development timeline. Um, and so, you know, we move a little bit further down that timeline, but the cost of acquisition as you go down is much, much lower. And so, you know, you're going to have a blend of these ones where you're getting in at the resource stage. And you're going to see this incredible growth in value, you know, over time as it gets to production. Um, but, you know, we felt it's also really prudent to have, you know, a few cash flowing assets that are kind of, you know, they're going to be there to fund you, um, you know, if markets dry up, for example, or, you know, uh, and so it, it's a bit of a combination of those. And by going a little bit earlier down on some royalties, you get that you can keep that multiple very high uh, for return on investment. Well, it, it certainly, well, certainly initially funds your GNA, your salaries, your overheads, all of that kind of good stuff. So that's that's good news um, because you don't have to go out and raise dilutory money off there. But you are going to have to show the market your ability to get cash, get cheap cash in whatever form that that is, and then tell them what you're going to do with it. And I think that's that's the challenge for companies like yourselves. Okay, you 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 need to be really clear about what is your differentiator in terms of finding projects. You're saying to me, manganese, no one's really interested in it. We're 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 market of one, uh, graphite the same, right? You know, so you're saying with right, but that's today. I mean, you mentioned and no, that's changing, and that's changing, right? That's changing. We've we've spoken to a handful of people who are going to be starting royalty companies. They contact us, say we're going to be starting battery metal themed royalty companies, you know, so it's coming. So the competition is coming and they're going to have different levels of access and track record and all of that kind of good stuff. So first mover advantage doesn't always last that long. So I'm, I'm, I'm just intrigued as to how you plan to go about building this company. What do you see that's different? Or are you just repeating what's gone before? Because it kind of works. Yeah, well, look, yeah, I mean, you don't want to break something, you know, that, that, that works as well as it has. Uh, you know, obviously in the precious metal space, but um, yeah, no, look, I mean, we have to be a bit more dynamic, you know, it's, it's just a bit different game. Um, and so, you know, we are looking at, uh, <laughs> you know, we are looking at branching out. I and mean, at the end of the day, we're almost a, a, 
supporting the supply chain, you know, for electric vehicles, batteries, et cetera. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a, uh, a shift you haven't seen before in human history where you have uh, so many new sets of demand, basically legislated by government, funded by government, you know, for the drive to clean energy um, across so many different metals all at once. And so it's going to be, uh, you know, something very new on that side where we're going to be looking at or where we have looked at some of this stuff will be a bit down the road. But, you know, we've looked at recycling uh, as well, you know, as a as a way of, uh, uh, you know, doing royalty financing in that space. We've looked at some of the technologies and actually taking out uh, royalty on the technologies in that space. And these were mostly, you know, it was surprising. We had probably 10 recycling groups reach out to us, you know, within the first two months of us going public. Uh, and. You know, so some of these things that are going to change the game a little bit, as we were, um, that would be different. But I think those things are a little bit further down the road. Um, you know, we've been looking at, you know, we looked at a collaboration with an AI group as well uh, that helps with, you know, basically exploration and finding, you know, projects, battery metals projects. So, you know, something that would help foster the supply growth, uh, you know, further down the pipeline um, because it's been very weak. You've had, you've had almost no money coming to the sector. Uh, over the past 10 years. Um, so there's other things like that that are a bit, maybe a bit kind of out there that we were looking at doing, but, you know, it's technologies are changing all, all the time in this space, right? I think the key thing for us right now, at least, is focused on keeping diversification across all these different metals, you know, so you're not too heavily in one, you know, there's a risk to each commodity out there. You never want to be all in on one commodity. You know, lithium, I think it's processing technologies, supply disruption risk. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting things going on, like with E3 metals and uh, Alberta, uh, you know, Canada there. So, you know, where you might be able to get lithium out of the old oil wells. Right. Um, and, you know, you got the clays in, in uh, Nevada, um, you know, never been commercially, you know, put into production yet before. But there's a lot of lithium, you know, in, in Nevada clays. Uh, and so, you know, there's different risks in each commodity. I don't want to be overweight in any one. I think that's kind of important. Um, you know, and even the groups that are, you know, coming in, there are a couple of groups looking at manganese, you know, but they're still not looking at tin, graphite, you know, zinc. Uh, and so, you know, rather than trying to like predict where these, you know, technologies are going to go, battery chemistry is going to grow. Um, you know, we feel like it's important to be, you know, diversified across all these different metals. Right. I get the theory. I, I want to focus on is you. I want you to tell me how you're going to make me money. Right, that's that's what I want to hear from you. Okay, so yeah. is your is what, what I'm hearing is we're going to be niche. We're going to try and be niche because no one wants to play there. It's too small. Is that is that it? It's it's niche for now. Yeah, and that's the plan right now. I think if you look around, right, there's maybe 20 development projects out there, maybe a little bit more for lithium globally. Right, of those, you've got you know maybe eight in Argentina. Okay. So then you've got, you know, a few in Nevada, you've got some hard rock guys in Canada, um, you know, but in jurisdictions that we're chasing, you know, because we think end users, battery guys are going to want to have a domestic source of supply. Elon Musk has come out and said it a few times for, for multiple reasons, right? I mean, initially for, you know, security of supply, um, you know, so, you know, there's not going to be a government overthrown and, and there goes your mine or, or supply. Uh, and also, you know, if the whole goal of this is to reduce carbon emissions, you know, you don't want to be sourcing your uh, ore from Indonesia when you have a plant in Ohio, you know, because uh, that just kind of defeats the purpose. And when you look at those group, those projects in these jurisdictions, there's only so many and uh, that are that are advanced and far down the pipeline. So 
we're really trying to get out there and scramble and get royalties on those key projects that are going to be that next source of supply. And so, um, yeah, there are other groups that might be coming in the space. We're two years ahead of them. We've already kind of identified this and, and for all these different commodities. And we're just trying to go out there and scoop up royalties on all these different projects. Um, you know, and I don't think, I don't think uh, the, the, it's a short maybe <laughs> advantage that we have in terms of getting out there, um, but it's a, it is a tricky sector. Groups are going to struggle to catch up to this. Um, you know, there's not many other royalty companies out there that are targeting this many metals. You know, they're mostly one or two metals. And uh, we've already done our homework on all of them, um, but there's not that many projects out there. So, you know, we've already got, right, two of the three resources in the only district in North America for manganese. You know, we've got uh, a couple of royalties for hard rock in uh, Eastern Canada already. There's maybe, you know, a few others that we want to go grab. Um, so, you know, there's only so many in each area right now that we really feel are, are key strategic and we have nobody, you know, kind of competing with us at this moment. Brendan? Nice run through. I uh, appreciate you spending your time with us today and sort of talking through this. I'm going to call it a new company. I know you're not new, but it feels new. Um, and uh, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on as these things kind of develop. I'm particularly intrigued by your, your financing, how you go about financing the business and the acquisition. And when you've done that, please give us a call. Okay. That sounds great, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I might be calling you sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.